0: Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Today, Pastor Brad shares with us from our sermon series, Life on Purpose, and talks about how God has a purpose for everyone. We hope you enjoy. So, this is the last week of our Life on Purpose series. And, um, man, I've been getting some stuff out of this as I've been studying. I hope that you've been getting some stuff out of it as you have been hearing and going through this stuff with your small groups. Hopefully it's an encouragement to you. Thank you, David. And, um, so I just want to, I just want to encourage you. Keep digging on this because God designed you with a purpose and a plan and you're not here by accident. I hate when parents say that their kids are an accident. Your kid might have been an accident to you, but they were not an accident to God. There is no such thing as an accidental child. There may be an accidental parent, but there is no such thing as an accidental child. And so um, God knit that child together. In your mother's womb, you were knit together and you were placed here with a plan and a purpose and God loves you. And he says, I made you for this day, for this season, for this sign, uh, for this assignment. And you have a job to do. The, the The focus today is that God made you to be sent. God designed you to be sent. Um, how many of you... Use Amazon, raise your hand. And how many of you love Amazon? Come on. I love Amazon. Man, I don't know what happens in that little magic factory, but I just envision there are like chocolate waterfalls and a bunch of Oompa Loompas singing as they're putting my stuff in the boxes and getting it sealed up and putting that little blow up plastic stuff that they use to pack. That's magical. That's Whoever invented that and got rid of packing peanuts, God bless them. That happened because of Amazon. Thank you, Amazon. I get these packages delivered, and now Amazon's got a new thing where they show you a picture of where they put your package when they delivered it. If y'all haven't discovered that yet, it's serious. I, I got a delivery on Tuesday, and I didn't know I got it. And So I went through my order history, and I was like, where's the package It was supposed to be here? The man hid it behind my bushes and took a picture of it and put it on Amazon website. These guys are miracle workers. I love this. And, 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 I, man, I'll sometimes, I'll get my neighbor's packages delivered to my house by accident. Man, I'll take that thing inside, open it up. I'll go through it, find out if there's anything I want, and then I'll seal it back up, put it on their porch. Man, it's the greatest thing. No, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. You guys are looking at me like I'm serious. I'm not serious. It's not that bad. Okay. And, but I just, I love Amazon because they just, you know, they get your stuff. And they send it to you, and then if you're a Prime member, it's next level. It's next level, man. And I I I remember when they, you know, the the first they first tricked me into signing up for Amazon Prime, and I was like, man, I I don't know, that's a lot of money to spend on this thing. I'm like, but it's two day delivery for free. That'll just bless me. And so I I, I got the, the, and then they give you all this like free music and stuff that they deliver straight to your device. Is that the coolest thing ever? And so you can listen to stuff and you can, you know, watch movies that are free and free. to. And I'm just like, man, and they tell you it's free. It's not free. You paid for it, but it's awesome. And so on the other hand, on the flip side of this thing, I have a confession to make to you. I am the world's worst at sending stuff to people. I am terrible. I, I I get scared at Christmas time. I kind of freeze up because I know I got packages to send. And my family has like 800 birthdays in November because if you do the math back to February 14th, some people know how to celebrate Valentine's Day. That's all I'm saying. My family knows How to celebrate Valentine's Day because we got lots of November babies in our family. Somebody say amen. All right. All the single people be quiet. Don't say amen. Okay. This married people say amen. Okay. Thank you. And so, but man, November, I start getting ready for birthdays and packaging stuff and getting, you know, ready for, and, and, and I, and I forget to send it because I'm too busy right? You get busy. How many of you, none of you are busy, right? Never. Um, but, but I get busy sometimes and I forget to send things. And so what do I do? I say, well, um, I'll send Christmas and birthday together because I'm so good at sending things that I'll make sure to get it all boxed in one giant box and send it. Right. And so, but, but then I have this little guilty corner of my living room Where all of this stuff that's supposed to be packaged and sent goes, right? And so every time I walk out the front door, I'm like, I feel so ashamed. And I go out and I get in the car and I feel bad like for the first 60 seconds of my drive. And then I, I've forgotten about it after a little bit. And I come and then I come home and I walk in and I'll see the shame pile again. And I walk by and I'm like, no, I'm not even going to sit in the living room today because I just don't want to see it. And so the worst thing that I ever did, though, is I, I like to make homemade salsa. Homemade salsa is my thing. And I love homemade salsa. And... um. It, That's like the most amens I've gotten in like three months at Highland. That's a shame. And so I make this homemade sauce and I get it ready to package for Christmas. And I find myself in January pulling it out of the refrigerator, opening the jar and dumping just a little bit from each jar into a bowl so I could have some. And it's just a little missing from each jar. So they're not going to know right it's not factory packaged and then I'm sitting in the basement so ashamed I just felt I felt so dirty eating the salsa and Mary looks over at me and she's like where'd you get the salsa and I'm like stop talking to me I don't know it's magic salsa and so I find myself in my little dark basement consuming something that was designed to be given to somebody else. And when I think about the picture of the church, guys, we come to church and we consume and we consume and we consume what was intended to be given out to somebody else. And you know what? By the time that I was done with all five jars of salsa in my refrigerator, I didn't even feel bad. I was good with it. I was like, well, it would have gone bad anyway, so bless God, I'm gonna eat it all. And I just went for it. And sometimes we just get so used to having it and accessing it and consuming it that we don't even feel bad when we're not giving it. And we have churches full of people all over the United States. And people leave churches all the time and they say, well, I'm just not being fed. I need to be fed. What they missed is there's this little passage of scripture in John chapter 4, verse 34, where Jesus makes a statement that I love. He says, The food that I eat is to do the work of the one who sent me. Touch your neighbor and say, God made you to be sent. God made you to be sent. How do we know that God made us to be sent? What's, what's the most popular passage of scripture? in all of the Bible. Come on, hit me. Most popular. Ready? One, two, three, tell me. John 3.16. Yes, everybody, that didn't say John 3.16. Touch your neighbor, say, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. They play it at every football game. You got to see the man with the rainbow wig in the end zone, John 3.16, right? And what's it say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Some of you still went old school King James. I like it. And then there's this next part, verse 17. It says, For God sent, for God sent, for God what? sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So here's the pattern that Jesus lays out. Jesus, if you can imagine in heaven sitting at the right hand of the father and God says, it's go time. I'm sending you. I'm sending you you. And and not only am I sending you, but I'm sending you as as an example for everybody who will follow after you. Because not only are you going to redeem everybody and save everybody and offer a means for people to connect with me, but you're going to lay the groundwork for what it looks like to be sent. Come on, church, get this. Get this. Jesus laid the groundwork for what it looks like to be sent. And I love how Jesus just, throughout his life and ministry, just Shows the disciples, this is what it looks like to be sent. This is what it looks like to be sent. Let me show you what it looks like to be sent. His first miracle, wedding of Cana. Guys, watch this. Let's make water turn into wine. Why? Why would he do that? Because he was sent to serve people. That's one of those those miracles that I always used to think about, and I would be like, really? Really? Because, like, when I grew up, man, you didn't even drink wine. It was against the rules, right? And so I always had a struggle when I read the passage where Jesus turned it into wine. And then my Sunday school teacher told me it wasn't really wine, it was grape juice. And I'm like, I don't even think they had Welch's then. I think it was just wine. I'm not that smart, but I don't think. I think it was just wine. And that was Jesus' first miracle. By the way, I'm not building a theology for drinking alcohol, okay? So everybody just kind of deep breaths. Deep breaths, okay? I'm not building a theology for not drinking alcohol either, so everybody else, just relax. And don't say amen too loud. Just relax. That's what I'm trying to say. Just relax. It's okay. So Jesus goes through his life, and you see him, the way that he interacts, and you see these uh, sick people brought to Jesus. And Jesus just walks over to him, and he lays hands on him. He says, hey, your, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. Stand up. Your faith has made you whole. Hey, I know that you haven't been able to walk since you were born, but stand up and carry your bed away because your faith has made you whole. I made a way for you to be whole. And you wouldn't know that you have the opportunity to be whole unless I was sent. And so I've been sent to tell you that your faith has made you whole. Tell two people your faith has made you whole. Don't poke them, just tell them. I love how Jesus is always so instructive to his disciples. You you remember the story where Jesus is in the house and there's nobody there washing feet, and so Jesus wraps a towel around his waist and begins to wash feet. And you're thinking, man, Jesus, you just left the throne of heaven and now you're on your knees washing feet. And I don't know a lot about first century feet, but I can imagine, it's a di- that's a different song. It's, I can only imagine is a different, it's, a di- it's going a different direction. It's a different direction. But, but can you imagine the feet in the first century? And some of you get grossed out by feet, and I'm watching you. You're on the verge of needing to go to the bathroom right now. I'm just, but think about this for just a second. You got gnarly first century feet walking through the door, right? And they don't, they don't have, you know, like, what, what is that? Uh, medicated junk that you put on your feet to keep the odor down. They don't have that. Then you haven't closed toe shoes. And they're walking around in the dirt. And they got probably foot fungus issues and everything else. And here, here they roll up. And Jesus is like, let me show you how it's done. He says, I want to I show you what it looks like to be sent. See, because Jesus never consumed. He didn't consume. He had everything he needed in God. He was fulfilled in his position, and so he didn't need to consume. You know, bef- this church is designed for people that don't know Jesus. This church is designed for people that don't know Jesus because once you cross the line of faith this ceases to be about you, okay? Church, believers, is not about you. And I don't, I don't mean to give you bad news, but it's not about you. It's about him and about them. And our assignment is them. And when I walk down the streets of Baltimore and I pray, and as I weep as I walk because I see the hurt and the brokenness in our city, as I pray circles around this church, as I pray circles around these neighborhoods, as I drive down this street making these huge loops, praying over this section of the city, I grieve because I see the hurt. And I think, man, Are we building a church full of people that want to come in and just eat and eat and eat and eat and consume and consume and consume? If that's what we're building, I don't want any part of it because God brought us here for them, for them. God saved you to send you. Poke yourself and say, God saved me to send me. Turn to your Bible to Matthew chapter 14. Verse 13, a couple weeks ago, I talked about the beheading of John the Baptist and how Jesus went and got on the boat and allowed himself to be broken as he was traveling, but then he arrives at the other side, and it's interesting because as you read the account, people see Jesus get on the boat, and then they kind of, this mass of people kind of Walks the shoreline and follows around to meet Jesus when he shows up on the other side. So Jesus is grieving the loss of his cousin John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, it's not like a denominational title. It's not like Frank the Presbyterian. This is he he baptized people. And so that's why they called him John the Baptist. I'm glad that a couple of you got that. And so we have this, this grief that Jesus is experiencing on the boat, and then immediately he has to step out of his pain and discomfort, and he has to step into his calling because he didn't come to grief. That was part of what he experienced his life on earth because he hurt because he was human, right? But his assignment was to be sent. And so he shows up and he sees all of these people and he says, they're here because they need what I have. And I don't have time to be broken anymore because I got a job to do you ever have to rally yourself? You ever have to rally yourself and say, I ain't got time to focus on me right now because there are people who are dying and going to hell and they can't afford me to be focused on me. I need you guys to understand that God saved you to send you. Now listen to Jesus. Matthew chapter 14, verse 13 is where we're going to start reading. It says, as Soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. All right, so now let's look at verse 15. You see, so you, you get the picture. There's these, this mob of people that meet Jesus as he gets off the boat, and he just steps off the boat and starts healing people. Isn't that awesome? Shouldn't that define us wherever we go that we just heal people? Not, not just physically, but spiritually. Like when we speak to people, it should be healing. I love going to the grocery store. And the people at the grocery store know me, and I would like to say that I don't plan grocery shopping trips so that I can go more frequently, but I'm just a bad grocery planner. It's the bottom line. And so I tend to stop a, a few times a week in the grocery store, and when I go in, I try to go into lines where I know people. And I love, when I walk to the door, I ask God, God, give me a word of wisdom. Give me a word of knowledge to speak to somebody. And there have been several times when God has given me a word, a few, a few months back, God gave me a word for this teenage girl that was, that was um, working behind the counter, and I began to speak to her. And I say, I said, you're hurting right now because men have been using you. And this was weird. I don't even know if I told you about this, but I said, men have been using you and they've been treating you badly and you're hurting. And this little girl started crying while I was talking to her. I said, I want you to know that you have a heavenly father that loves you and he's prepared to guard your heart. That's all I feel like I need to say to you about this, but I want you to know I'll be praying for you. And this little girl had to shut down her register and take a break because God was speaking to her. God saved me to send me. And, and I can't be concerned about my stuff. Guys, I got baggage that I carry. Every day I've got garbage that I gotta try to wade through. But I gotta preach the gospel to myself so I can preach the gospel to everybody else. And God begins to work and it begins to move. Now listen to what happens. You should be healing people everywhere you go. I want you to remember that. That evening, verse 15, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. So, so can you imagine, there's thousands of people here. Thousands of people here. It's a remote place. And, 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 and I can imagine the disciples having a conversation. Look, man, Jesus is going a long time. I mean, I know he's a good preacher, but... Whew. Like, these people are going to get hungry, and it's getting dark, and then what are we going to do? And then people are going to be mad, and you know what happens when people's stomachs start to grumble, their mouth starts to grumble. You know how it goes. And nothing has changed in 2,000 years. And so and so, what happens is, is the disciples are talking, and, and, and I guess Peter drew the short straw maybe, and he walks up to Jesus and like, Hey, look, I, I don't mean, I don't mean to interrupt because you're doing some good things here, but, um, and like, I love the sermon. The sermon is fantastic. Keep like, whoo, that's the best. But I just want to, like, it's getting a little, it's getting a little late. And I'm just, I want to encourage you that the people are probably getting hungry and maybe they should, you know, be able to go find the nearest Taco Bell or something. And, you know, I just, I see some chalupas in their future, but you know, let's just, can, can we move this along and, and, and listen to how Jesus responds? But Jesus says that isn't necessary. You feed them. I just imagine Peter going back to the fellas. Um, hey guys, so I I was just talking to the Lord over there, and um, and and what he recommended was that um, that we we feed them. Um, James, I saw you chewing some beef jerky just a minute ago. So do you have do you have any of that left? No, I ate that a long time ago, man. I'm I'm hungry. So so then where do we get the food? I don't know. That kid over there's got some food. Let see the kid with the kid with the G. I. Joe lunchbox. Go grab him. Get him over here, all right? So they bring him. They bring him over, and the kid, and they're like, "Hey, look, we we need to borrow your food because we got to prove something to the Lord over here, and and just like let him know that there's not enough food. So can we just borrow this? It'll just take a second. You'll have all your food back, and everything be cool. Okay, let me let me borrow this. So, so if you can imagine, um, they take this basket with five loaves and two fish, and they walk it back over to Jesus okay let's read verse 17 it says but we have only 5 loaves of bread and 2 fish they answered and so so they're they're implying hey lord i get it we we know that the people need to eat but we don't have enough we don't have the resources we don't have what it takes to feed the people we don't have what it takes and When we go to Jesus, that's our story. I don't have what it takes to feed the people. I don't have what it takes to transform the culture of the most addicted city in the United States. I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes to transform the nature of addiction in the heroin capital of the United States. I don't have what it takes. Uh, Look what I have in my hand, Lord. Look at my basket. I got, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. So what does Jesus do? Bring them here, he said. Jesus' response to their statement, I don't have enough, was, you bring your not enough to me. Bring your not enough to me. Bring your lack to me. Bring what you don't have to me. Bring your empty basket to me. Because I got enough. I got everything you need. Now listen to how he he brings this alive. Verse 19. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and he blessed them. He blessed it. Notice how he blessed it. One of our tendencies as 21st century American Christians is to bless what we have, not bless what we don't have. But we have to learn how to bless what we don't see yet, knowing that in God's hands, it's enough. We got to learn to be thankful and bless what we can't see because it is a sign to God that, God, you are my blessing. Not my, st- my stuff's not my blessing. You're my blessing. You're my reward. You're my supply. You're my everything. It's in you, Lord, not what I have in my hand. And so he blesses it It says then breaking the loaves into pieces he gave the bread to the disciples who distribute it to the people now i always kind of imagine this scene where jesus is standing there with the gi joe lunchbox with the with the bread and fish inside and and he pulls out the first loaf of bread and he breaks it in half and he's like okay peter james now notice there's five loaves two fish how many disciples are there 12 disciples, right? So I always imagine it this way. Loaf of bread, break it in half, Peter, Andrew. Hey, James, you get a fish. You know, if you break every loaf in half and you hand half to each disciple, that's 10. And then you got two fish, that's 12. So in one moment, he gives out all this in the GI Joe lunchbox. And he says, I want you guys to go and give this out and then come back to me. How long does it take to give that out? Like two seconds? Right? There you go. That's all I got. (laughs) All right, Jesus, I'm back. And Jesus is like, sweet. And he just keeps going into the basket and pulling it out and breaking it and giving it, breaking it and giving it, breaking it and giving it, breaking it and giving it. And it's got to become kind of a game at some point to the disciples where they're like, check this out, man. Let's go back to Jesus and see what else He's got. Let's go back to Jesus and see what else He's got. Man, we ran out of everything we had in a second, but let's go back to Jesus and see what else He's got. I'm out. I got nothing else. Sweet, let's go back to Jesus and see what He's got. I don't have anything else to give. That's okay. Let's go back to Jesus and see what else He's got. I'm empty. I'm broke. I don't have anything else, but let's go back to Jesus and see what else He's got. Come on, church. Let's go back to Jesus and see what else he's got because you don't have enough. You don't have enough. I love this. And here's what I think this starts to get even cooler because watch this principle come alive. It says, Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed to the people. Verse 20. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. How many disciples were there again? How many baskets of leftovers were there? How many how, how many baskets of food did they start with? One. How much did they end up with? Twelve. How many disciples were there again? So the principle that Jesus lays down is the food that I eat is to do the work of the one who sent me. You feed the people and I make sure that you've got all you need. But you, but, 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 but wait, this doesn't make sense because I just keep giving, I keep giving, I keep giving. As long as you come back to me, you're going to have everything you need. Here you go, here you go, here you go, here you go. I'll keep throwing it at you. I'll keep giving you everything you need. I will supply your every need according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You don't have to worry about a thing. You let me supply your needs. And so each disciple that started the day with doubt in a little boy's lunch, fed 5,000 men plus women and children that day, and they all walked home, every disciple, with a doggy bag that would supply what they needed. Aren't you glad that you don't have to be enough? You don't have to have enough. Can I tell you a secret, guys? When I first came to this church seven years ago, I was empty. My basket was done you guys can hear my story another time, but I was just about as broken as a pastor can be. And I came here with my empty basket. And I remember one time just sitting out here and I just sat there and cried. And I remember the enormous pressure that I felt, like there are 20 people here that are depending on me to help move this church in a new direction. I remember just that extraordinary sense of responsibility I felt like. God, I just don't have it. I, don't, I can't do it. And I remember Jesus dropping this little word in my heart. And he said, I'm enough. I'm enough. And today, here I am seven years later, I'm still not enough. I'm not enough to move it into the next seven years. I'm not enough to reach this city. All you have standing before you with a microphone is a guy with an empty basket who recognizes with everything in me that I'm not enough. But he is. And when you go to Jesus, I'm going to use the worst grammar of the day, it's never not enough. With Jesus, all things are possible. I'm going to just hit a couple of other scriptures and then I'm going to close. But Jesus, in John chapter 20, verse 21, he says, Peace be with you. He's talking to his disciples. He says, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Who is he sending? He's sending me. Matthew chapter twenty-eight, nineteen. what does Jesus say? Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What's your job? Go, go, go. Then in Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus speaking again says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. See, a lot of times we think that the Holy Spirit is for our consumption, but he's not. He's not for your consumption. He's for your empowerment so that you can do the work that you've been called to do. God is sending you. God is sending you. Everybody has a different part to play. And can I just say that the body of Christ is designed to function together? I had a conversation with somebody this week. And um said, so the nature of the body of Christ is that all of us can be replaced, right? But all of us are invaluable. Your position can be replaced. You cannot be. Anybody can come with a calling and be the pastor of this church. I, could, I will be replaced one day. Either the Lord calls me home and says, it's time for you to have a replacement, or I retire, or the board says, we're tired of this guy, or whatever. But I will be replaced one day. But this is what I know. My value is irreplaceable because I'm designed by God and put on this planet for a purpose. So the way that we function to build the body of Christ. I love the the pattern that Jesus established. He says, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, other most parts of the earth, right? You start where you are. You start at home. You start in the house of God. And that's where we start meeting needs is right here, right? And it was so cool for me yesterday walking in. And um, I, I get a lot of joy when I see leadership happening here that I'm not leading, Okay for me that's a win because my job as a pastor is not to be a minister. I'm the only one that's not supposed to be a minister. I'm supposed to be an equipper and you're supposed to be a minister. Ephesians chapter 4 says that the apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers are are called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? So I'm not your minister. You're actually my minister. Okay, I'm going to say that one more time because y'all are looking at me like know because I I don't know. I don't even have one of those black collars with a little white thing right there. I don't think I can do that. See, according to Ephesians chapter 4, you're the ministers and I'm the pastor. You're the ministers. I'm the pastor. And so I watch things happen. So the first Saturday of the month, Claire was here running the clothing ministry and making sure that people in our community have clothes to wear. The beautiful thing is she didn't need me here for oversight. She's taken the ministry and is moving it. That's powerful because that expands the influence and impact of the body. Yesterday I was here and CJ and Levi are pulling lights out of the ceiling and y'all probably don't even notice it. But they have the lights set up where they're doing little funky, cool things in energy, And they can fade lights in and out and turn colors and all of that stuff. And, and, and they were here for two days, busting it out. And, you know, they didn't need me to climb one ladder to do it. That is encouraging me. I'm watching Jason Moore lead our security team and walk them through the process of keeping us safe. You know, I don't know if you guys have watched the news, but churches have been under attack and have been targeted by violent people trying to do harm to people in environments like this. And we have a security team that's working very hard to make sure that that doesn't happen here. And they didn't ask me for my leadership. Now, they keep me included. They ask for my input. They run things by me because they understand that there's headship, but the body of Christ is functioning the way the body of Christ is supposed to function. And our potential is infinite as long as you're sent. Our impact is exponential because you were called to be sent. Man, I could go through lists and lists of people who are doing things to move this church forward. But I don't have time. That would be a whole nother sermon. Some of you are are sitting on the sideline and some sitting on sideline for different reasons. Some of you have been hurt in churches before and you're like, I just don't trust the church. I get it. But guess what? People are going to hurt you. Can I tell you that I, I experience a disproportionate amount of hurt from people because there are a lot of expectations on pastors. And it's okay. I signed up for this job. You know, it's not like anybody surprised me with the job but you're exposed to hurt, and it's not fun. Nobody likes to be hurt, no matter how often it happens, you don't like hurt, right? And the enemy wants to stop your effectiveness by the hurts that you experience. And man, that's one of his greatest tactics. It's beautiful. He's good at it. But when we get it in our mind that, hey, God has called me as a part of a body, and you know what? Can I tell you a secret? Sometimes my shoulder hurts, and I just got to, get a little mobility. As I'm moving it right now, it's going. But sometimes my shoulder can cause me some pain. But do you know what? Even the pain that I have in my shoulder, it still keeps my bicep attached to the rest of my body. I have back pain. I got arthritis in my low back and it aches. But do you know what? It's the foundation of strength for my body. You know, when you lose power in your low back, your legs don't function properly. You limp, your mobility is hindered. It causes some pain. You need to get it addressed. But there's pain that happens. But this body is designed to function together. It's designed to work together. It's designed to move together. And our impact is exponential as we move together. Will you stand with me this morning? I want to encourage you today, over the next couple of weeks even, grab one of the Eye Care cards out of the bulletin, fill it out so that you can get plugged into this body. We need you, but you need us. God didn't design you to function solo. He designed you for the body. God, I pray today that as we, as we process, Lord, what you're speaking to us about being sent, that we would refuse to sit on the sidelines anymore. Lord, we don't have it covered. We'll never have enough people to meet the need, but we have the one who meets every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Lord, and so we come back to you and we say, God, I'm empty again. Can you resupply me? God, I pray that you would supply us. Your word says, "Pray the Lord of the harvest because the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few." God, I pray today for laborers to accomplish the work that you called us to. I pray, God, that you would help us to accelerate forward. Accelerate forward, God, and do the work that you've called us to in this city. God, help us, strengthen us, work through us, work in us, God. Help us to be the body that you designed us to be. Lord, today we just, in this time, and ask you, God, to solidify our resolve to be sent. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more sermons like this, subscribe to the podcast or visit us at Highland highlandcommunity.church.